with Sabrina. Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> um, so what I want to try and do is unpack some of the terms, particularly around ecological economics, but also a little bit about growth economy. So just quickly, what is neoclassical economics? Well, there's a big, long definition there about determining prices and outputs, uh, uh, income-strained individuals. Uh, I'm going to talk more about some of the assumptions quickly later on as well. But ecological economics essentially is acknowledges we have ecological limits on the planet and we have to operate within those uh, limits. So I did talk about this yesterday um, in my talk, so I'm just going to go again. There are a number of assumptions uh, and where do they come from? These have been, uh, many of these are actually coming from Herman Daly's work with the Steady State of Comedy. I've just uh, pulled them together and summarising them. Uh, and they've actually been pulled together in the, the little booklet called Addicted to Growth? Question mark. So the fact that we've got strong anthropocentrism, the idea of the invisible hand, the economy being able to grow forever, know that there are no limits, biophysical, ecological, otherwise, the idea of circular theory of production that we talked about yesterday that doesn't relate to what happens in the real world, uh, the ignoring of laws of thermodynamics, uh, the idea that the environmental damage is just an externality, and the idea that you can uh, swap all forms of capital with each other so that you can swap money for the natural capital that actually supports our societies. Uh, so these are really... Um, uh, nuts, which is why we're, we're, we're caught up in this death spiral um, where growth is still being suggested as the way that we solve uh, all our problems, including our environmental problems, which of course is making it worse. So I'm going to look at these six um, models within ecological economics and sort of uh, unpacking them because you'll hear a lot about them. Uh, but what are they? So this is sort of more or less in uh, chronological order. I say more or less because various aspects of some of these have actually been mentioned a bit earlier than where I'm putting them. So it's, it's a bit hard to actually definitively say where a particular model starts. It's not that hard with this one, Steady State Economics, because it really came out in 1973 with uh, Herman Daly, but based on the earlier work by Nicholas Georgescu Regan, 1971. So again, the key, key points are a lot of ecological economics models don't necessarily define themselves very consistently or easily. Uh, ecological uh, steady-state economy basically says, okay, it doesn't say the economy can't grow, which is one misconception. It says it can't grow due to the fact that you've got a continually growing population and a continually growing use of resources. So basically you're keeping your population constant at an ecologically sustainable level and you're reducing the level of throughput of materials. Uh, and the other aspect is, of course, is equity. So in distribution of wealth. So uh, uh, what, can, what can grow is our culture, our knowledge, our goodness and our ethics but we're not continually growing our population and our use of resources and we're not continually being less equitable in our society, which has been the trend over um, the last few decades, except for, I think, the Scandinavian countries in Japan. Now, degrowth came uh, along not too 
Uh, really next, around 2008-2009, Latouche uh, was one of the key writers there, so it's the idea of it's a voluntary, it's basically accepting that our economy is too big. We have grown too big and our economy, the scale of the economy is too big for the earth to support. Therefore, we have to reduce that scale. We've got to degrow it. So it's a voluntary transition towards a contraction-based economy in line with the ecological limits. Now, the, there have been five conferences. The declaration of the first degrowth conference argued that degrowth should apply primarily to developed nations because we need to grow, in some of the developing nations need to grow for reasons of basic uh, uh, human survival, really, of bringing people out of uh, poverty. However, that's not actually agreed by all degrowth uh, proponents. A lot of people think degrowth has to apply to all nations, all societies. Um, so it's an area that's under debate. Now, the first degrowth conference agreed that uh, we should degrow our society, but of course you don't degrow it forever, otherwise you end up <laughs> with nothing. So you degrow it to a sustainable level and then you move to a steady state economy, which is uh, different. So there's a lot of, um, uh, and, and I must say, every steady state economy proponent accepts the need for degrowth. So the two work together um, pretty well. The circular economy, uh, very much talked about on the international stage, uh, certainly as far as business is concerned, it's talked about a lot more than the previous two. So again, it's based on the idea of cradle to cradle, great, great idea. Uh, let's not go cradle to grave, let's uh, have a regenerative system uh, where you're reducing uh, waste, you're reducing material use, you're reducing energy, uh, and you encourage long-lasting design, so you get rid of planned obsolescence. Uh, so you could actually, many people think, cut down in Western societies to about 20% of uh, materials and energy use. That's the aim, that's the vision. Some people actually talk about 10% as a vision, but uh, many argue that factor five is certainly possible. Um, so it's got really good, if we're living in a climate change world, so it's got really good to reduce resource use and reduce greenhouse gases, aiding climate change action. However, one thing I will point out, the circular economy does rely on the idea of 100% decoupling uh, to avoid environmental impact, and I'm gonna come back to that later on. The other thing I point out, however, if you look at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which is the, the main body that pushes the circular economy, you'll see that it talks about the circular economy as a new engine of growth. So it's still with the idea that it's going to, in fact, increase growth. UNEP's green economy came out about the same time, maybe around a year later with the actual published document. So it says improved human well-being, social equity, while significantly reducing environmental risk and scarcity. So it's low carbon, resource efficient, socially inclusive. There's a lot of similarities between it and the circular economy, except it's possibly a bit broader in its, uh, uh, what it covers. Uh, it's a stronger focus on the whole economy and national and global employment and emissions. Uh, so uh, it describes itself as a new engine of growth also and replies. So are you telling me that's eight minutes already? Yes. Good heavens, okay. <laughs> Sharing economy, um, 
So the idea of sharing uh, materials, uh, I'm going to go through quickly here. Donut economics we heard about yesterday um, in terms of the diagram. So there is a problem with decoupling. Uh, and that's basically the idea of a similar lifestyle where you use a lot less energy and materials. So decoupling is a good thing. I want to be clear on this. The problem is the, is the term 100% decoupling, where it says you are continuing to grow, but your growth isn't going to have any environmental impact. Uh, and I know there's circular economy sessions later on that will be talking about this as well. Uh, and the problem is that while there's evidence of relative decoupling, we've reduced the amount of energy materials we use, there's no evidence for 100% decoupling. So decoupling can actually be used as uh, an argument for continuing growth. In other words, business as usual. And so there is a problem with decoupling. It can be, become part of denial of the problem. Now, this is the table I really want to compare, finish on. Uh, so what's, what's the similarity and differences? Okay, so I've got the headings. Does it consider population? Does it focus on reducing the sources? Does it focus on reducing consumerism and advertising? Does it focus on equity? And is it not an engine of growth? So the steady state economy is yes for all of those. Degrowth is mostly yes for those, although some conferences uh, avoid the population issue because it's considered controversial. The first one, except talked about it. Circular economy uh, will not talk about uh, population, neither will the green economy, neither does the sharing economy, and really, it's mentioned five times in Kate's book, but basically it then says, uh, basically the rate of growth is slowing, so we don't really have to worry about it. Uh, reducing resources, yes, they all do reduce resources, and they all focus on equity, but, does it in sort of attack when in terms of coming to deal to grips with consumerism and advertising? Circular economy does, degrowth does, uh, circular, sorry, circular economy doesn't, green economy doesn't, sharing economy does. I'm not sure with donut economics, although I read it recently, I don't remember a strong focus on that. And the other thing is engine of growth. Well, steady state's not an engine of growth, degrowth doesn't see itself as that. Uh, circular economy and green economy do. Sharing economy is a bit silent on that. I suspect not, but it's not made explicit. And as you heard yesterday, um, donor economics is growth agnostic. So I think that's... Uh, so just in conclusion, all economic models that I've talked about, they have value. They are reducing environmental impact. Problem is, I see a problem with partial solutions that many of them, for instance, everything we've talked about in that table is part of the steady state economy uh, as something that needs to be done. Most of it's part of degrowth. However, for many of the other models, do not consider some of those characteristics. So I see them as partial solutions, and I feel that's a problem given the timeline we have to change things around, which is why, okay, yeah, I do, uh, I, am do uh, I am the co-director co of Cassie New South Wales, so I'm suggesting the steady state economy is the most overarching umbrella model of ecological economics, but I've, I haven't come to that for partisan reasons. I've come to that from looking at the literature and trying to see how we're going to turn things around. I think that's it. That's fantastic. Right. Thank you. That's brilliant. Thank you.